Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Mike's Britain podcast. Joining me on today's week is Mike Jones, the Mazman
Um, oh, let we, me just we can edit. We can edit if you want. One one thing. One thing here. <laughs> uh, this is live, Mike, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Oh, he's. Are you closing a deal right now? Is that what's going on? Oh, shut up now. <laughs> uh, I'm not closing nothing. All right. I'm closing everything out by the end of the year. I'm closing all these windows so that I can give you 100% of my attention. All right. Who's that cute little kid in there? Is that your assistant? Yeah, I'm, I'm Lauren. All right. Well, I hope he pays you well. Yeah, I need a raise. Mm. Well, free room and board. Free room and board is included, I think. So That's that alone right. is free room and board. Uh, lots of taxi rides, uh, lots of hugs, and you do get some sets each month. Do I also get a roof under my head? So yeah, you would actually be paid more if you would speak clearly into the microphone. Try as much as I can, but then I forget. <laughs> well, this is Lauren. I love those I love those accents you guys got over there. I know you could tell me anything and it sounds better in that accent. Well, so what are you, what are you going to say, young lady? Are you going to intro this show? Yeah. Lauren, Lauren asks the first question on each show. Yeah. So my question is for you. What's your favorite thing about Bitcoin? What's my favorite thing about Bitcoin? Oh boy. Uh, How many how many favorite things can you have? Oh man, I only get to pick one. Okay, how about that it's borderless? How about that it's permissionless? How about that it's languageless? Okay, how about that it's unconfiscatable? Okay, how about it's that the it's the only truly pristine uh, asset and capital uh, that there is? Can that all count as one? Yeah. <laughs> it can count for me. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, glad that that's out of the way. What's your favorite thing, Lauren? Um, yeah. That so many, many people agree on one thing and they can talk about it. That's pretty deep. Wow. I like that. Yeah, that is pretty deep. Does she know that there's so many people out there that can't agree uh, in the Bitcoin space? But yeah, she's right, yeah. though. The code, the code. Everyone agrees on the code. Yes, exactly. All right, well, thanks, Lauren, for, for asking your first question. Yeah, well, anyways, bye. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Well, why don't you uh, give yourself a little intro? Why, why don't you let the plebs know, you know a little bit about yourself, who you are, and then we'll get into all the fun stuff and rabbit hole stories and what you were doing in fiat land and everything. But um, what, what are you? What, what's your role right now? And then we'll uh, we'll go back in time. Sure. Yes. So uh, my name is Mike uh, Jarmas. My friends call me Muzz. It's been nicknamed my whole life. Uh, and right now I'm focused on investing in uh, Bitcoin companies. And my company is Lightning Ventures. We have a, a boutique sort of fund uh, that was a friends and family deal, as well as a syndicate that allows for uh, 
people, not really in a public sense, but uh, within our Lightning Ventures fold to participate on a deal by deal basis into Bitcoin only companies that we're investing in for a low minimum. So um, it's nice to be able to evangelize that and to get people started in investing. It's quite a journey. There's a lot of stuff to, that you need to learn uh, or that you can learn when you come into this. So it provides a, kind of a place to ask some questions, to get started, and to uh, to dip your toe in with early stage uh, Bitcoin investing. All right, and we're gonna come. We're we're gonna do a full circle because the the plebs listening to this, I am sure, are gonna be interested in finding out how they can get a piece of the action on the the next. So many of us are getting pulled in different directions, obviously, when we're in the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And if you see that one company come out and solve a problem that you have seen around the space for however long you've been studying it, and you want to invest in it, you guys offer a solution to that. But Let's figure out what you were doing before all of this. What what was your kind of origin story? What were you doing high school and, and college? Where were you? Origin story. Well, uh, since I was uh, about 15 years old, uh, I've just wanted to be in the music business my whole life. So I started a, a record label in high school and uh, we put out some uh, some albums uh, and then started kind of fell backwards into promoting concerts um, and, uh, you know, grew grew that business, took that pretty seriously mm -hmm. to where we ended up being um, one of, if not the largest independent promoter in the southwest of America. So that was really mainly Phoenix, uh, Tucson um, and uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. We did about 35 concerts a month. Uh, and that's everything from 100 people to, you know, maybe about 5,000. Uh, and the way that it works is, is you maintain that relationship with uh, with an artist and uh, hold on to it. You know, so if you're if they're doing 50 people and then they come in back and they're doing 400 and 1500 and moving up till you get to about 5000. And uh, at that point in time, you know, Live Nation, Clear Channel, House of Blues, I think they've all merged into one company now, but back then they were separate. They pretty much take it from you. There's there's not much you can do after that uh, four to five thousand uh, sort of amphitheater area. Right. So you grow them as far as you can. And uh, and that's that. And uh, that's kind of like what you do with startups, right? Uh, is you you try to maintain that helpful, good relationship uh, with the teams and people there uh, as far as you can, right? Until maybe uh, somebody boxes you out of the deal and then you can't participate anymore. So um, we built up that uh, concert promoting company and I ended up managing a band uh, that got a deal with Electra Records before Electra Records merged with Warner and uh, Atlantic and became uh, WIA, which it is today. So, you know, we were in our early 20s. We all bought houses. That was the last of that, um, that era, uh, right before a lot of these. There was no streaming. Uh, you know, maybe there was, uh, you know, Napster uh, and some of these other lime wires or whatever there were, but that was pretty much it as far as like the digital distribution goes. Um, and that was the kind of the last era of that record label, you know, that old uh, regime, you know, the kind of the weird stuff where you'd walk into a room and 20 people sitting around a table would just all stand up and clap, uh, you know, just kind of a weird stuff like that. I don't really know if that happens anymore. 
Um, so managed that band. Uh, and then um, I tour managed them for a while as well, from starting in the van and trailer and, you know, a couple of hotel rooms a night to the tour bus. Uh, where everyone slept on the bus. And uh, when you sleep on the bus, you don't get the hotel rooms every day. Uh, some bands do, but we didn't because the, the bus is a is a traveling hotel room uh, that's very expensive. So, um, you know, got to get to that level where they're selling out maybe, you know, larger theaters, 1,500 to 20. 2000 or so people a night tour managed them. Uh, and then I, I went on to tour manage a bunch of other bands uh, throughout the United States and, you know, a little part of the world internationally. Um, and uh, that was pretty much it for, uh, for music. That was what I did for a long time. And, uh, you know, put everything in storage and uh, went and lived on a Mississippi plantation farm, uh, wrote a couple hundred pages about living in the Delta uh, at this mystical place called the uh, the Crossroads, uh, which has been depicted in films and movies and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And there was a Ralph Macchio movie back a, a long time ago called The Crossroads, uh, where Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil to be the greatest guitar player of all time. That's a real place called Clarksdale, Mississippi. And I lived there for a while and uh, did a little soul searching after the, the music business stuff. And then I moved to New York and pretty much started over, uh, started over in, in New York. And uh, that's where I found Bitcoin was my was my time there. And somewhere around 2013 or so, uh, I owned a small uh, tavern. Uh, it was a bar. It was a weird freak art bar. You know, we had a little <laughs> stage in the back. We did these cool, weird shows and comedy and music and stuff. And we had the second Bitcoin ATM in New York City at that time. Uh, and that was that was pretty cool. So I'm I'm from that era. I still have a valid Gox claim and, you know, used BitInstant and all those kind of names from back in that day. Um, and that's really when I discovered and started getting involved with Bitcoin. So, you know, I've done a lot of stuff, uh, eclectic life. I owned a part of a flower shop, you know, the bar. I had a small cafe in Manhattan as well that we recently just sold. Thank God. Um, I had a retail store in Tempe, Arizona, uh, sometime in my 20s and um, have just done a bunch of different things. So that's kind of where my experience is. So don't really have that traditional uh, finance pedigree uh that uh, a lot of those people do but definitely uh an interesting um a bit of experience so where does investing fit into all of that what 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 led you into that field so i mean i've been obsessed with investing um since i was a kid uh, my parents wouldn't let me invest my own money be when i was not of legal age to have a uh a brokerage account. And I, I figured out all sorts of deceptive ways as a 16-year-old would to get their 18-year-old friend to go down to the office and fill out some paperwork and uh, and get started. And they found out about it. And uh, my father was actually proud of me for doing this. And my mother was just disgusted. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been obsessed with that stuff for a long time. Not really the trading, not really the day trading stuff, although I worked with Tone for, for quite a while and he's still a good friend of mine. I mean, I I love the the voodoo candlesticks and all that good stuff, but I'm, that's not really uh, my thing as far as the trading goes, but just investing, um, value stuff, fundamentals, all that good stuff. So I loved that stuff for a long time. And around 2015, um, I made my first private investment because I was pretty convinced that the way to make real money is not to invest in public equities. It was to invest in, in private opportunities. All right. Okay. 
Oh man, you've given me so much stuff to to ask you about here. Um, let's go with music because I had a conversation, uh, funnily enough, last night with with Michael Saylor, and he brought up the idea of musicians um, being able to own their own work, their own you know creativity. Basically, this has been an ongoing battle for a long, long time. Obviously, big names we can kind of look at. Uh, George Michael and Prince, uh, very good examples of, you know, uh, huge superstars that were trying to take back control of their work rather than letting the the, the massive contracts with Sony or whoever they were under, uh, you know, take all the money. How does Bitcoin fix this for upcoming artists? Because there's there's an interesting young man out there on Twitter at the moment that's trying to break into the scene and using value for value and Bitcoin and keep himself completely to himself. And if you've not followed him, I I suggest you do it at Joe Martin music. So I would like to get your insight coming from that legacy music scene, which obviously I know you left it a long time ago, but now being in the Bitcoin scene, where do you see the flip happening? Can existing artists switch onto a Bitcoin standard? Or is this something that upcoming artists are going to have to take, uh, you know, more of a, a grip onto? So a couple things about uh, music, right? Uh, first off, uh, we did invest in in Wave Lake uh, that's doing a similar thing, and I'm going to check on that uh, that uh, company that you that you referenced there, as well as you know uh, Fountain, right, which everyone mm-hmm. loves. Yep. Um, I think that they're going to add some some music. Uh, capabilities to the platform but you know uh ascap bmi um you know they they enforce these sort of royalties and that's how they get paid and it is such a closed source terrible system um it just you just have no idea you're a musician and every once in a while you get a check in the mail and you have no idea where that comes from okay so um like when we were concert promoters, uh, we had a venue and the ASCAP and BMI guy would literally just show up there banging on the door uh, and just try to collect something. OK, there was no record. You know, the house music that you play in between a band, uh, whether there's a set change or whatever, a couple of songs go by. They want to get paid on that. Hmm. OK, now there's no record of whatever gets played in the club. Nobody has any idea how many songs, how many nights, you know, do they do DJ nights? Do they do other things? That guy's job is to just go knock on doors and get whatever he can get. And if he says, you know, uh, we want eighteen hundred dollars for these royalties, uh, it usually ends up to be about two hundred fifty bucks. Uh, and then that guy goes away and he doesn't come back for, you know, a couple of months and he comes back again. Uh, and you know, it's the same kind of charade all over again. Um, but where does that money go? Uh, how do they know where it goes? Does it go to the Beatles? Does it go to, you know, uh, Metallica? I mean, how do they know what songs are getting played and how they do it? And they have this ridiculous scoring system, uh, based on, on, the songs at that time or the songs of that week or of that month. And if a song is played on the Super Bowl that week, they kind of suck up all of the royalties, even though it has nothing to do with what's happening in our club. It's a terrible system uh, and it's trickled down and, you know, everybody's got their hand out all along the way, including the publishing companies. 
So that's different than, hey, um, hey, Princey, I really love your track. I want to use it in my movie. Can we work that out, right? That type of publishing is a different deal. We might work out a $10,000 uh, deal. And, you know, there, then there's a royalty on that, right, for, for that movie as well. But uh, that kind of licensing, okay, so that's a whole nother uh, industry. So, so this whole area is, is terrible. Um, you know, Spotify, they they track streams, right? And at least it's easier. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin, of course, but at least it's kind of known uh, how many people have listened uh, and there's more there. It's not just knocking on some guy's door trying to get whatever you can shake him down for and then sending it out to to whoever. So, um, you know, if if it was possible to stream or for an artist or a publishing house to contract in, Okay, their entire catalog. Okay, and then stream those sats directly where they're supposed to go. There's an artist wallet, there's a publishing company's wallet. Maybe they did a deal with the artist and they're recouping still on their original advance and deal. Okay, maybe the producer uh, has a certain amount of points on that record or for those songs, right? And maybe the manager, he gets 15%. Okay, and there, there's all this sort of um, th this way that it's able to, it could be able to in this hyper Bitcoinized future um, to, to, to split that on the spot and in real time. Because none of this happens quickly, okay? None of these checks, and I'm, I mean check, like paper check in the mail, none of these things come in uh, all the time. This is not a swift process here, right? Nor do you have any like documentation. So this area is like ripe to be disrupted. And there's all kinds of like fun ideas that are floating around out there. You know, I pay for a Spotify premium account whether however much I listen to, right, it's $15 a month or whatever it is. But wouldn't it be cool if I was just paying uh, for every bit, every second that I was consuming? Okay. And I would probably be far less than $15 a month, really, if you look at it. Also, you would be very careful about whether you left your music on when you left the house, right? You'd probably control that like your air conditioning or, or everything else that happens. So um, there's a lot that can happen in this space, uh, not just the value for value, not just tipping, okay, with messages and interactions for like creators and songwriters and artists and DJs and uh, podcasters and all that fun stuff, right? Like that's secondary, you know, as far as the tipping goes, um, but just to be able to enforce those payments, right? Uh, like even like a Netflix, right? If it charged you for every second you were watching a show, you probably wouldn't leave it on when you left the house, right? And you wouldn't necessarily pay uh, X amount of dollars a month. And if you were paying more than that, you might switch to the unlimited plan you know, for the flat rate or whatever, but there's at least a choice, you know, and then instead of having 37 middlemen in the way, it just can trickle right down uh, to where it's supposed to go. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens uh, with music and lightning. It's just back in the day, like podcasting, right, creating the RSS uh, and, and a library and all these things that came out, right, that where is figuring out, out a way to do that because it's a very manual process just getting all this stuff kind of indexed in there yeah man it's so ripe uh, and what about kind of huge celebrities that are already out there now celebrities not the right word musicians artists you know they've got hundreds of millions of fans all over the world how long do these contracts uh, last for like you know how long is 
uh, and to use the example that Michael was talking about, Katy Perry. Don't know why. Maybe he's just a big Katy Perry fan. You know, <laughs> is she got another two years left on some kind of music deal with uh, one of the big incumbents? And once that's over, can she then just say, you know what, I'm going to produce an album. I'm going to sell it just for Bitcoin only, or I'm going to stream it completely and value for value style over Fountain or or another one, Wave Lake, which I've never heard of. Actually, I'm going to have to find out more about those guys. But how how does that look like for the you know the the people that have already made it in air quotes? So the music business now, I'm not, I've, I'm long removed uh, from the music business, but I still have some friends that have um, record labels and manage pretty successful bands. And, you know, we're pretty, we chat and stuff, but basically, you know, uh, streaming and the internet, I mean, it killed traditional record sales. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the way that it used to be was you would have a contract with a record label um, and it was just geog uh, geographical. Okay, so you would do a contract with a major label and that would be just for the United States. Okay, that you're with Columbia Records or whatever. And then you would you would be on different labels in Australia or in other mm. countries, right? You would have different deals with different countries. Okay, so that one big Columbia deal was really just for, say, the United States. Okay, as far as a geographic sense. And then these terms, okay, as far as rights and, and things, they had an expiration date where you would have to maybe deliver six albums or three albums, okay? And then your contract is fulfilled and it's pretty much over. And um, after the streaming came in and the music business was like on life support, um, you know, they came up with a new kind of deal, which is like, okay, well, it's not just... Um, physical geographic whatever let's make it worldwide and let's also include anything that happens on the internet right like that was separate like your streaming stuff your internet stuff that was separate from going to your local record store and buying a couple of cds or or whatever those are two different things so let's combine that so the music industry could or the labels could survive uh with you know a larger geographic territory because now the internet is worldwide Okay. Um, and then let's not, let's, let's make these terms kind of, uh, uh what's called a 360 deal. Okay. So that means, okay, now I'm going to get a piece of the artist's merchandise. Okay. Because uh, the merchandise was 100% for the artist. When you went on tour and you sold t-shirts, hoodies, whatever you did at night or your web store or whatever that merch deal was, maybe you contracted with a few merch companies and they did your fulfillment for your stores and, and other things right like that. Or maybe they paid you a flat fee and then they, they sold all your merch on your behalf. Okay. Now the record labels came up with this 360 deal where it's like, you know what, we're going to get a piece of your publishing. We're also going to do the record deal, which now includes streaming and everything else, right? Uh, we're going to get a piece of your merchandise and we're going to take just a piece of everything, okay? And then we're not really going to say, oh, after X amount of years or terms, uh, you're free to do whatever you want. We're going to kind of just like keep this racket going forever. Um, so, you know, everything's a negotiation, everything you know, changes and happens different ways, but uh, they, that's how it evolved into this. If you were going to sign a, a, a deal right now to a major label, they would want a piece of everything that you did pretty much. That's, that's, that's where it's at now. So um, things like, you know, 
Paul McCartney trying to buy back his songs from Michael Jackson and these type of stories. Like those are old deals. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's not really what's what's happening now. So something like Katy Perry, uh, you know, shifting and saying, you know what, I'm done with you guys. I'm going value for value. You know, everyone is kind of a different deal. So I'm not sure exactly what her situation would be, but um, by far as as far as music royalties go, you know, this too, Bitcoin fixes this kind of a deal. Man, I'm waiting for that day when that person just turns around. You know, the the big guy or girl turns around and says, "You know what? Fuck this." Um, Taylor Swift, right? Yeah. As well, recently, I think she was releasing uh, an original album that had been coerced and co-opted by the record label that she was. But let you go back. Even Guns and Roses were fighting this stuff against Geffen, I think, uh, back in the day. Um, one band, it takes one band, one first mover to turn around and say, this is fucked. I'm going to charge Bitcoin for streaming or Bitcoin for my album. And here's my address. Radiohead did something interesting. They were kind they of the did. first. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah when go they go ahead. Out, go they, ahead. Yeah. Well, they said it's free, right? You maybe yeah. have, you maybe you know more about it than I do, but you know, they said it was, it was free and they ended up earning more by releasing releasing a free album with donations than they had made before under their, you know, the, the label regime uh, that they were under. So yeah, it just takes one, right. Um, you know, kind of like a Pearl Jam with Ticketmaster, you know, they gave the, uh, they gave the middle finger and boycotted Ticketmaster and uh, you know, a lot of other bands followed suit. The other thing is, is you would have to basically own your masters. Uh, so a lot of these labels and even the band that I managed um, the record label messed up everything. Uh, they actually kind of got shelved, even though the band was doing great as an independent uh, touring band, um, you know, selling out 1500 seats and, and nice theaters everywhere. Um, but the label shelved it. They decided they weren't going to put any money into it and they didn't see a future. And then they kind of own your master. Uh, so then you basically have to, with your attorney, uh, try and negotiate that back. You have to go and... Uh, and try and maybe say to the label, look, you know, can we give you, I'm just, you know, saying $150,000 so we can own our masters and we can like repress this thing and do something with it. And um, a lot of times they say yes, because they're, they pretty much shelved it and moved on anyway. Uh, so it's kind of, um, it's not really a good deal for the, for the artists. And now but let's yeah, think one about one Bitcoin artist. Well, right. One. And think about like, you'll be able to tell me whether or not this is, viable because you did the concert thing but if you're a big band and you want to put on a concert that's a shit ton of money you're giving to someone else and someone like the rent seeking is disgusting between the fans and the actual band because those tickets they sell out to all the scalpers immediately so you've got the official guys that you've signed the contract with but then you've got the scalpers that scalp that shit within minutes and then sell on the black market now if you had a system like Bitcoin, oh my God, we already have it, whereby you announce a concert, but you can only uh, you know, fulfill the concert at the stadium if X amount of tickets are sold um, by you know, flashing a QR code that only you will be able to use at the point of entry. Have you not just solved the whole freaking racket of the, the middleman in between? Is that a possibility? Is there a business that needs to be built around that? 
the amount of inefficiencies i mean this what you're saying this this is definitely something that i know i know very well as far as um as far as service charges okay and the way that uh the ticket system goes uh and it's way different you know i mean i'm i'm 40 uh, but, you know, lining up at the department store at yeah. eight o'clock in the morning to get the the Rage right. Against the Machine tickets or, or whatever <laughs> it is, um, you know, however much that show was right, uh, which was much less, the service fee involved was like a dollar, you know, it was like a dollar fifty, uh, you know, it was it was small. Um, and now I, I mean, the last time I bought like a Ticketmaster thing, well, first off, the ticket prices are crazy which everything is right it's, uh but the service fees was like you know 20 some dollars uh to buy a ticket you know and and bitcoin 100% fixes that uh and that's that is just absolutely egregious i mean it's a crime uh how much and it's that for everything right it's it's sporting events it's yeah. you know whatever yeah. you're buying a ticket to um you know i remember when even when it was like nine dollars that was absurd right nine dollars is absurd right? and who's getting paid right it's not just Ticketmaster, right because the promoter of that concert you know he puts an extra charge on it and you know everyone else puts an extra charge on it and pretty soon you know on a percentage basis you're paying like a ridiculously high fee in just service charges uh to go to this thing and you know what you're saying as far as using bitcoin for something like that right or i don't know maybe an asset right maybe an asset is your ticket okay because i personally have shown up at madison square garden with my tickets that i bought on the secondary you know stub hub and they didn't work uh because somebody else had used them or whatever and then you're end up on the phone with StubHub and somebody meets you there and gives you another physical piece of paper for a ticket that you didn't buy somewhere else, right? Forget if you're in a group of four of your friends, okay, and three of their tickets worked and yours mm -hmm. and your other friends didn't, okay? So that like counterfeit aspect of it, that 100% um, can be solved with a lot of these things that are happening like on Liquid, uh or um maybe tarot assets or you know something right to where you would know if the ticket was redeemed because it would show it in your wallet uh you know it would show you it was redeemed you would at least get a heads up uh that that it was you know um and then you could at least get ahead of the thing so there's a ton of innovations that, that bitcoin can solve in terms of live music um ticket sales uh you know imagine how much cheaper it would be even if even if it kept ticketmaster in business you know because mm -hmm. visa and mastercard they take you know exactly what I mean? ticketmaster exactly exactly it's that it's everyone right so you would yep. you would have to have this this all-star superstar um you know uh artist that's really just on a bitcoin standard Mm -hmm. And here's how he's selling his tickets or he or she. Here's how the tickets are being issued, right? You might have to download the Aqua wallet, right? Same as downloading the StubHub app. You know what I mean? If it's if it's a if it's an asset that's that's done on liquid, you know, here's how you can listen to my music, here's how you can stream it, here's how you can buy it. So we need that one mega star orange pill that can go all in. So do you know of anyone? Well, Mike and I are going to work on Katy Perry, it seems. <laughs> and <laughs> that there's would one, be a good one. 
Then there's one last thing I, I want to add, uh, you know, the cherry on the top of this. If you've owned the whole process, like you've booked the stadium yourself, you've sold the tickets yourself, you've managed the whole thing yourself, there are still only anywhere between 50 to 80,000 fans that can actually be there and enjoy that concert at that point. Now, if you've owned the whole thing, why not live stream the, the, the thing completely free with a QR code so that your fans around the world can enjoy the show and tip you each song if they want or at the end of it, however much. And then you've just got another whole revenue stream on top instant. No rent seeking. And that's probably, yeah, that's probably meaningful. Um, that would probably be meaningful. Be massive. Money. There's millions. If you've got a base of 10, 20, 50 million fans and only 50,000 can get in the venue. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my you know, God. Uh, you know, I was having, I had dinner with some of the uh, IVAX, uh, met with some of the IVAX people last night and they, they turned me on to this uh, Perth, um baseball Perth team Perth Heat. yeah mm -hmm. and you know some of those interesting things that you can do with uh, a batter up at bat and you know putting it's a qr code on the amazing. screen but, but but what they had a few interesting ideas i don't know if this is from perth or this is they were just spitballing but imagine it's like hey you know 30 30 million or however many million sats and we're gonna release fireworks above the stadium you know, those type of things where it's like in real life, if we if we if we do this, you know, we'll do this grand thing. So, you know, it's still super early with some of the cool stuff that you can do, you know, even in Encore. You know what I mean? Do you want to see another Encore? You know, maybe it was it let's you know, there's a there's an address there uh, that kind of brings them back on. Not in a rent seeking way, but in a in a fun way. Um, it, it gives fans and performers, whether that's artists, musicians, uh, sports players, whatever, it, it reconnects them because that connection has been so broken for so long. I was talking to the Oxford City guys on this show recently, and we were talking about, and Pete's trying to do this thing at Bedford as well, right? Uh, imagine now I'm a fan sitting in the stadium and I've got uh, my program, which they I can buy via Lightning, and in that program is a list of all the players, even the away players and the officials, the referee, the linesman, with a QR code next to them. I'm now connected to what's going on on the pitch because if the referee makes a great decision, I can tip the referee. I'm now connected to the referee. If the guy's just made a goal line clearance, I can tip the guy, the, the defender. I can tip the guy that's made the, uh, the assist, scored the goal. And when these guys get back to the dressing room and they see this information being fed back to them in real time, that is so powerful. That is a connection that we have completely lost, completely lost because of, you know, corporate greed, call it whatever you want, rent seeking, basically rent seeking is what has happened. Or in, in, in the case of um, the premiership in the football in, in the UK, for example, most of those clubs are owned by Russian or Saudi oligarchs. Right. Not by the not by the fans. They don't care about the gate receipts. They don't need them. They literally don't care. So they don't therefore care about the fans. And broken. The whole thing. And Bitcoin fixes all of it. 
Yeah, it definitely opens up a lot of different possibilities, especially if there's a messaging component attached to it uh, for mm-hmm. your, your um, you know, and maybe even that, you know, gets it gets it on the big board in the stadium and, you know, some other things that, that can happen there, too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much that is um, adopted from players that get paid uh, multi-million dollar contracts already uh, yep. who hit a home run when that's their job. Okay, they're supposed to hit home runs. You know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how many people are actually really excited or really want to contribute more because they paid to go to that sporting event already. They paid, you know, uh, 11 pounds for uh, a large soda or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, You know, and it'll be interesting to see or if it's like that's enough and it's like, hey, look, they hit a home run. Well, that's what they're supposed to do. Um, I think with artists, you get more, you get more leeway with artists, right? I Um, I would say, I would say again, uh, you know, a a football team could have a base of 50 million. No, excuse me. uh, Not that many. Um, Orders of magnitude, more fans than are are able to attend the game in the stadium. You know, it's it's a global, it's a global phenomenon. Like, you know, When I think it's really cool on a smaller level, though, is like maybe somebody like yourself, um, if if you're a completely self-funded operation and it's like bring back the next season, bring back the next episode, you know what I mean? And if this sort of thing happens, it gets it, it, it happens. Right. And you can continue to produce, you know, kind of like a geyser sort of thing, I guess. Um, but really just being able to, uh, you know, kind of like the encore, uh, kind of like mm-hmm. the encore or whatever, or, you know, uh, the jukebox sort of this is the next song. Uh, you know, uh, you can always bump your song to the top of the jukebox, but maybe powered by lightning, you know, to to do some of those things. So much cool shit. All right, that's geeking out on music and uh, and sporting events. Um, I know you've we, we you you teased me with this before on a Telegram chat on a personal DM, and I want to just ask you about it. We might as well do it recorded. Uh, you said you'd invested in some uh, ed tech uh, before or educational startups. I I did invest in plenty of ed tech, and I'm I'm gonna. I didn't know you were going to ask me or I would have had the list ready. Let me see if I can pull it up and sort it for you. But yes, some of the stuff that's going on in, in ed tech uh, is like the the micro school, mm-hmm. uh, the micro the micro school kind of concept is is really, uh, really big um, instead of why does that uh, pique your interest? Why does that pique my interest, boy? Um, I don't know. I think learning platforms are the future, right? Uh, online learning and, you know, it's hard to do it right. And I don't know if anyone has really done it right yet. You know, a lot of these things, I mean, I've signed up for like probably 37 Coursera things, <laughs> yes. you know, and uh, I just can't seem to, uh, I just you don't can't reach the end. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I invested in code, uh, code Academy, you know, which is basically for kids and they play these type of uh, games and it teaches them how to code, uh, you know, and those sort of things. Um, code combat is another one. 
Um, you know, boy, I didn't know you were going to ask me about ed tech. I got a bit, I got a big list here. I don't know how many of them you want. Um, but yeah, I, I do. Why do you, why do you, why are you interested in ed tech? My kids use it. We homeschool our kids three out of the four of them and the, the difference it makes. And I see Bitcoin fixing this as well. I mean, my, my bug bear is state education and how broken it is and just what an indoctrination kind of brainwashing camp that we voluntarily send our kids to for 15, 16 years. That has to stop. It has to. And especially as Bitcoiners, we cannot fall into that trap. We need to come up with something else. And I know there are already tons of different uh, options out there. My kids have used whatever you've just listed there, um, but there is more. There is room for more. They're the ones that the one platform that they're uh, using at the moment extensively have been for the last two or three years. It's called Kubrio, K-U-B-R-I-O, and that rebranded from Galileo. Uh, but I was just having a chat with, uh, and I've got to drop this pretty soon. And I want you to, to meet him if you've not already, uh, Santos, uh, from Zebedee, who started a, an app called Emeralize, which is going to be a Bitcoin focused education platform with lightning payments built in, which is going to empower the content creator, but also at the same time empower and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? uh not inspire uh incentivize the user to get to the end of that course which is what has been missing mm -hmm. on the Coursera's on on the Udemy's and on the uh, the other you know platforms out there uh you know Khan Academy another one you know just just incredible incredible platforms uh so that's where my uh personal um involvement comes from and passion and I fell down that rabbit hole 2014 when we took our kids out of school and started traveling the world with them and i saw the difference that it made to not not just them but the whole family to be able to you know just just to breathe outside of that system and take the pressure off of each other and figure out how do you learn what do you want to learn what inspires you and uh and you know like peter gray free to learn like you know his book is uh you know a seminal piece of work in in the space um, I could go on about this forever. That's why I wanted to to bring you in on, and talk about what's going on in the ed tech world because there's a lot of plebs that are out there that are either have kids already, are about to go to school, have kids in school and have been questioning the bullshit for a long time, or aren't even married, haven't had kids yet, but already know the education system is not ever going to be for them. So to, to let people know that there's a shit ton of options out there and with you with your finger on the pulse and have invested in some of these companies, I think would be a great thing to, you know, blow the doors off for, for many people out there that are worried about, you know, education. So I, I don't have children yet, uh, hopefully one day. Um, so a lot of these type of investments that I've gotten through other syndicates and deals uh, that I've been in, which I have quite a bit here on this education uh, list, right? So if you had other names, I, I might be able to tell you a little bit more. I'm not familiar with that one that you named. But, you know, it goes from a, a variety of things that I can't wait to try uh, 
for my child, right? Because a lot of these things didn't happen when you and I were kids, right? Remember that you had one video game, you had Math Blaster, I think that was the name of it. And you know, uh, nine plus seven in the little ship uh, kind of did it. And then you had like maybe Oregon Trail or, you know, a few things like that, right? But there wasn't all this, but like, like this one here, I just pulled up a few, it's called Simbi, S-I-M-B-I.io. And it's just reading tools, you know, it's kids ages six to 12, uh, they learn to read. A lot of them are apps, they're games, they're tools for parents. And there's there's just so many, you know, uh, there's one called higher ground education. Uh, this is from, I believe, in uh, an ex Uber person, but it's Montessori powered educational um, educational stuff, you know, platformed uh, the whole shebang. Right. And they're they're on a rocket ship. They're a couple hundred million dollar uh, company right now. They're they're wow. doing really well. A lot of these things I can't try full time. You know, Prenda is, uh, you Brenda, know, uh, tuition. Kelly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, you know that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I know Kelly. Yeah, he's it's incredible. So, I mean, I pulled up a few here. There's another one called Wonder School. I mean, there's just, there's so many on this list. Uh, you know, uh, th there's other things, right? Like it's classified as, as uh, ed tech and education. Like there's a browser extension called Toucan, T-O-U-C-A-N. And basically, if you want to learn Spanish, you install this browser extension uh, and it you, you set it to the frequency and it will just take random words that are on your page and just make those words Spanish. So <laughs> maybe two out of every 15 words will just be in Spanish. And then you can hover over it and, you know, just kind of by doing nothing different every day, you're like, you know, maybe it sticks or whatever. So there's just so many different creative ways to learn now uh, that there weren't before. And the other thing is, is half of these are, are in other countries, you know, uh, this Cabri app, you know, the whole website is like in like some Indian language but um but yeah i mean it's all the same type of deal happening all, all over the world um it's cool that you're interested in that um probably by force because you know out of necessity because once you pulled her out of school yeah um yeah I, i've always yeah i've interviewed a lot of these ed tech founders in a, in a couple of um homeschool summits that i've helped host uh so we'll we'll carry on this conversation there, there's a shit ton there's a shit ton to be done and it's very very uh exciting space um we've got to we've got to move away from state education uh all right so let's come to lightning ventures then actually no the rabbit hole the rabbit hole before we get to lightning ventures so you turn up in new york and someone taps you on the shoulder what happens um no. So, you know, I had heard of Bitcoin, uh, you know, long ago, right in a in a weird message board on all these kind of, you know, I was a, I was a big conspiracy theory guy. I just liked all of that stuff. Right. I you know, you remember when people were renouncing their uh, U.S. citizenship back in like 2009, there was like 60 people a year. I mean, it was like a ridiculously low number. And now it's like thousands and there's a wait list uh and they're making it difficult but i there was like almost none you know and you go down some of these rabbit holes and you know all the names of uh of the 
you know, alternative sort of people out there. Uh, and then it came to metals, right? Uh, I had, you know, the, the real estate, everything that happened. I had a bankruptcy myself on the property that, that I bought. So uh, kind of recovering from that and then going through the whole what is money and, and uh, Federal Reserve and the history. That movie Zeitgeist, I think, came out somewhere around 07, 67, or maybe somewhere around there. Uh, that movie came out that that did a pretty great job of explaining some of the monetary system. And then you start digging in and uh, precious metals made sense. Uh, a couple of my friends started stacking silver. Um, you know, the Max Kaiser uh, crashed JP Morgan by silver days uh, and all of that with, um, you know, the London price fixing and, and all of these kind of things and physical delivery and all those conspiracies. So, um, you know, it had really dismissed uh, Bitcoin at first glance in some uh message board uh because that's what everyone does the first time uh you see bitcoin is you dismiss it be that's just pretty natural uh and the amount of time between that first time that you dismiss bitcoin and when you actually buy your first bitcoin if that if that process is as short as possible that's the best and even if it's now if you just heard bitcoin now and you dismissed it as terrible if you can shorten that process to three weeks from now being like, all right, you know what? I'm going to start stacking a little bit and learn more about this rather than waiting three years from now. So from that time that I first stumbled onto it um, to, you know, that late 2012, 2013, uh, you know, era when it's like, oh, wow, it's, you know, this is this is a real thing. And then, you know, of course, you don't you don't go in very heavy uh in the beginning you buy a very small amount and you learn how to use it and i started you know let's make a paper wallet and let's you know let's run core and how do we how do we resync how do we drop a wallet dat file back in from scratch and start you know testing these kind of things um back back then um and that was pretty much it uh ever since then i mean that i mean that never never wavered on bitcoin uh from then uh just like everyone, though, we all wish we bought more, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And this is what I try and tell people that are um, talking to me about it now that still haven't made their first purchase. And that that classic line, oh, it's it's so it's okay for you. You know, I wish I'd have bought Bitcoin five years ago. And you look at them, you're like, my dude, it's literally the same price today as it was five years ago. You just got in a freaking time machine you lucky motherfucker. Like you are the lucky guy right now. So stop bitching, stop moaning, do your own research and start stacking some sets and do the right thing. Like you say, buy a little bit. You, you got to have your comfort level, right? Like if you have uh, if you have $300 worth of Bitcoin, you need to put about $300 worth of thought uh, into securing that Bitcoin, you know, and if you have um, $300,000 worth of Bitcoin, uh, you know, it's a whole different kind of uh, personal security, just like anything, right? Just like any bearer asset uh, that you would, you would have in your house, right? You don't, you don't leave stacks of cash laying around uh, in the door unlocked, or you don't leave your firearms wherever, uh, maybe not across the pond there where you are. <laughs> but if that's, if that's your thing, you know, you, there's a certain level of personal responsibility that goes with Bitcoin. That's the beauty, right? Cause there's no 1-800 Bitcoin. 
uh, to help. And and we've all lost Bitcoin. I imagine everyone's lost Bitcoin. I certainly have lost some, uh, you know, just by, you know, everyone makes mistakes uh, when trying to figure it out and wrong addresses. And, you know, I gave I gave like maybe $25 worth of Bitcoin to my wife sometime in, in, in early 2013. That is still gone. Um, and it was a, it was a blockchain, dot uh, info wallet, you know, at the time. And I still, I have like the offline thing. I've worked with Mandrick trying to get this back. And once a year I sit my wife down and it's like, maybe one of these years, just some channel will just get that password. Right. You know, so it happens to everyone. Um, and that's kind of, that's the trade-off is, is the, is the, the power that it, that it gives you to have it. All right. Let's keep this fun. Favorite conspiracy theory? Shape-shifting reptilians. What? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> David, David, David Ike, the shape-shifting reptilians that run the planet and run the globe and have infiltrated all of our parliaments and Congress. And they live on like the other side of the moon. Uh, it's like hollowed out and have a whole thing. Uh, um that's 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 kind of fun right uh, oh oh actually wait i have a better one yeah i have a better I, I i would have to google the guy's name i can never remember his name but there is this is this really happened well i don't know if this really happened but okay so there's this guy who claims he's a time traveler and he made like millions and millions of dollars through his like scott trade you know that's like an american really kind of a shitty brokerage uh back in the yeah back in the i day. remember those yeah yeah it yeah. Ter- yeah. it was a terrible account but uh you would never compared to like e-trade or anything else you would never use it but you know in his scott trade account bought like this ridiculous uh call options and whatever and made like millions and millions of dollars and the sec went to his door they investigated him they arrested him and his story was that he was a time traveler from the future and had all these other things to say and then where it gets interesting is an anonymous person that nobody knew actually posted his bail and this guy was never seen again and it's a real news story okay um it's a real news story and i'm gonna i'm gonna send it to you um <laughs> I, the, yeah there's another one not heard of it yeah it, 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 if you google time traveling stock trader uh you'll find the story right away and uh time his traveling. name was andrew andrew carlson there's no record of him ever existing or living uh he took eight hundred dollars into his uh into his account and turned it into 350 million dollars uh in a few weeks time and then they arrested him he said he was from the year 2256 and he arrived uh in the present armed uh with uh economic history blah 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 and uh he says he wants to go back to the future in his time machine and he's prepared to offer the authorities his historical facts such as where is osama bin laden at the time and a cure for aids in return for his freedom and then this mysterious guy posts his bail nobody ever saw him again but um i think that's my all-time favorite how is that not a film that that's crazy <laughs> that's crazy all right they're, they're fun ones what about like the more deeper ones that um just aren't conspiracy theories just uh, just full-on blatant you know complete spoiler alerts when when they were being called conspiracy theories like what 
Can you give me a few examples? I mean, we talking like uh, like the CIA type of stuff or yeah. aliens? Uh, yeah, no, the, the CIA kind of stuff, I suppose, whatever you've got. You... All right, I'll throw you one. Um, I recently the, the stumbled... Beatles were The Beatles were created by MKUltra. What about that one? Don't know it. <laughs> Don't know it. What what what's okay. that all about? I I mean, if you Google it, there's a whole bunch of people who claim that the Beatles were like put together specifically as like part of a UK government uh, MK Ultra kind of project to you know usher in the these times and uh, LSD and all these other kind of things, and they're part of it. But you know what? Their music was just too damn good. I don't think it could be that way. <laughs> um plus they were also child they were also childhood friends so i mean i don't know how that would would work how about the uh the titanic on purpose crashed mm. mm-hmm. yeah that's a good one i mean who was on that john jacob astor a couple of people exactly. a lot of people profited from that yeah i i haven't went super deep in that but i'm i'm aware that that is uh that is a good one well when can you enlighten yeah, give me the gist of it. I I only went very very uh, scratch deep on it um, when I saw somebody tweet out. I can't remember who, but there was an original novel written in the late eighteen hundreds uh, about some of the world's richest people drowning and dying on this huge, great big superliner, which had not even been thought of or even kind of imagined yet, right? And then. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. But they're like the, the the whole smoking gun on the thing where it really starts getting very interesting is yeah, John Jacob Astor, he uh was the uh richest man at the time. And I think I've just lost you. How strange we should lose each other. How how I'm strange here with you. How how strange that we should cut out at that point. <laughs> So, uh, where where did I drop out? At what point? Uh, you didn't drop out at all. Uh, John Jacob Astor, the richest man, uh, right, was okay. on the ship. Okay, it dropped out my side. Yes, he was on the ship. the The company that uh, that built the the Titanic was owned, an umbrella company, was owned by none other than um, uh, J.P. Morgan himself, who on the day of the voyage cancelled going on the trip along with about 12 other very soon to be prominent people one of which was um mr selwyn that became mgm selwyn you might uh remember and you start going through this list of passengers that did not get on the boat some of them at the um kind of warning of uh, of J.P. Morgan himself. And then, of course, you've just got the basic ones, like there weren't enough lifeboats. Like, what? Who does that? Like, who builds the most incredibly, like, sophisticated thing ever on the planet and launches it in the most amazing opulence and, you know, without that, without that? Like, it's just so basic. So, I don't wow, know, man. That's a good one. That's an interesting one. And then, of course, that ties in with the the um the Federal Reserve, 
because that was 1912, and then the Federal Reserve was 1913, and apparently Astor had been against the idea of forming the Federal Reserve. So you just start getting, get, you know, being taken down some of these reports and, and these little rabbit holes as well. It's weird, man. It's very, very weird. Well, I got a long flight tonight, and so that's a good rabbit hole for me to to go deep into. Well, I'll tell you what. Reuters fact-checked it. it like, really? You can, you, can up- Google, you can Google Reuters fact-check. The Titanic was not sunk on purpose in order to green flag the Federal Reserve. Okay, I'll have to do that. <laughs> well, I hope the plebs will get down that one as well because it's uh, it's a very, very interesting one. And I love the historical ones um, that uh, that tie in so closely to what we're studying now, you know, with Bitcoin and, you know, exposing the Fed and what they're doing and how they've manipulated and, and controlled our lives ever since they were uh, incorporated. Uh, all right, so Lightning Ventures, man, what's going on? What? How did you set it up? Why did you set it up? And how can the plebs get involved? Okay, uh, well, um, it's been going good so far. I think it's been about 15 or so months. I think we've deployed uh, about $6 million pleb dollars uh, to uh, maybe like 28 or so, 25, 28 uh, companies. And um, we... We're off to the races. Um, we're going. We're trying to scale to be able to uh, help the companies, which is a whole nother thing, um, and create you know a department that puts together partnerships and ideas and resources of all kinds for whatever our companies need when they need something. We at least have some help uh, there, kind of in house. Uh, whether it's just like thoughts on a deck, or maybe they need a couple hundred t-shirts or maybe there you need a social media person part-time or whatever it is uh or hiring or whatever so uh we're we're working on that and um it was a it was a friends and family kind of fund very small fund uh that's about 75 percent deployed right now and not every investment that is in the fund but when we have the opportunity to also have an allocation secured for the the greater group, uh, we do our work, we do our homework, we put together uh, a memo, uh, we try to do an interview with the founders with some questions from anyone in there who has them, um, and we get together uh, whatever we can to invest. Right, so our check sizes so far have been basically a hundred to five hundred thousand. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times on the lower end, especially in this environment. Um, but you know, that's, that's where we stand. And with a really early stage company, um, turning around, you know, 250,000 or 150,000 in a short amount of time, uh, it can be pretty meaningful. Uh, it can help them hire their first developer or, um, get started right when there otherwise is no funding and sometimes that's even before some of these other you know bitcoin vcs or other vcs actually get into a formal round of funding 
Um, you know, sometimes it even helps them kind of put a little wind in their sails when they go out to some of these other uh, Bitcoin VCs by saying, hey, yeah, we closed a, a deal with with Lightning Ventures. Um, that that's pretty good. Um, how to get uh, how to get in the fold is you can go to ltng.ventures and click on that application thing there. If you're already investing on AngelList, like I know you are, Princey. Yeah, um, it's easy. It's easy to just click uh, click the button, um, which there's a link on our site too, um, and and join. Uh, and if you want a expedited way to get in, it's probably best to just shoot me a DM or fill out something on the website, a contact form, because there is kind of a process uh, you to getting onto the AngelList platform. Uh, they don't just let anyone invest in deal by deal stuff. You have to have either worked for a startup or invested in some private companies and meet a certain criteria, right? But we have a way around that uh, by just emailing uh, a special link that that gets past that. That's a two day process, mm -hmm. and then you apply for Lightning Ventures, and we um, we get rolling. So uh, that's there's a lot of great people in there, a lot of smart people. Um, in there. And it really shows when we have a particularly smart deal or a particularly complicated deal. Um, and uh, they they definitely read it, right? We have co-founders from companies that we've invested in, founders, teams, ex-developers, uh, ex-tech uh, professionals who were partly retired, um, you know, lots of great attorneys, um, just a lot of an eclectic group of um people that all have different skills. And when in a, a founder sends out a company update, we try to pass that along. Uh, well, we do pass that along to first off, everyone who invested in that company, right? They're the only ones who would be um, privileged to seeing uh, an investor update uh, are the investors that we have in that deal, right? And then there are certain asks, maybe they need a, a CPM wizard or a UA person or um, some marketing support or whatever they need. And then we try to see what we can do. Can we help with any of that? Even if it's like podcast advertising, Right. Um, maybe you would have some some good portfolio companies in there uh, that you jive with. Right. That might be good uh, advertisers or maybe if they were rolling out an affiliate program and you were particularly passionate about what they were doing um, and you could uh, get on board as somebody who is just going to, you know, uh, promote them for free, maybe because you invested in them, maybe because it was a special affiliate deal that they gave you because you were an investor and and have a a, a large reach. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can you can be impactful for these companies. Nobody has to, right? There's no requirements, but that's kind of our advantage, right? Is I want to know everyone who we have, and then I want to be able to leverage them to the best of their abilities, right? With their superpowers. Uh, to help companies. And by the way, it's great for networking. It turns into clients often for lawyers. I mean, we've had lawyers do things for free. Uh, we've had lawyers in our network just help out a founder uh, with the review of maybe a one-page thing and doesn't charge them. And that's great. They certainly don't have to work for free. That's not expected, but they do. And then those things tend to turn into like relationships, you know, moving forward. So uh, I don't I don't know if other VCs have that right. Other VCs can probably do things that we can't. 
we can't introduce you to a large series B investor, okay, that's going to be able to cut a $15 million check. That is that is not uh, what we can do right now, maybe one day. But what we can do is a whole bunch of other stuff in the in the earlier stages. So that's pretty much it. Um, that's what we're doing. We're funding companies. We're closing out these deals before the end of the year. Um, and we're doing the best we can do to support awesome Bitcoin-only companies. And what I love about it is the the pleb side of things because, well, let's go down that rabbit hole. Should I invest a thousand to ten thousand dollars in a Bitcoin company through Lightning Ventures, who I know have done all of the due diligence and all of the heavy lifting and whatever else? And uh, I I like the company that you you have you have um, managed to uh, you know enter into a round with, or do I invest a thousand to ten thousand dollars in sats and just hold the sats? There, okay, so it's never a substitute or a replacement for buying Bitcoin. Um, if somebody has no Bitcoin, they should absolutely not start investing in Bitcoin companies. I mean, they can, you can do whatever you want, uh, but I I don't think that 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 is not uh, the advice. The prescription is not sell your Bitcoin to invest in Bitcoin companies. Um, maybe you have a lot of Bitcoin. Maybe we're at all-time highs or maybe we're in a better market. Maybe you wanted to diversify a little bit. I mean, for a $1,000 minimum, uh, if we were at a $58,000 Bitcoin price and you were peeling off you know, a thousand bucks or 2,500 bucks or 1,500 bucks to support companies that you love, and this is not support, this is not charity. Okay, this is not like, you know, going out and and funding Paco as he travels the world and evangelizes Bitcoin. Okay, that's a different type of of funding, right? You are getting real investments. These are real equity in real companies, okay, where you could potentially have outsized returns that you can't really see too many other places. I mean, I've studied a lot of different industries and markets from a theater, okay, to investing in a play or a movie, okay, or stocks or, you know, dry cleaners or whatever you want to invest in. Um, it's it's really hard to beat uh, venture investing. And that's probably why the government makes it so hard mm -hmm. for the average person to participate. They don't want Princey getting 75X's money on a really cool Bitcoin rewards platform, okay? Um, that's that's real money. That's not a meme stock. That's not uh, a coin, okay? Uh, these are real investments with real documents, real protections. And yeah, things go to zero. Teams fail to execute. Like it's a high, supposedly, right? Uh, on average, it's a high failure industry. Um, but when you don't fail, um, it's very powerful. So no, don't just take your last $10,000 and invest it in Bitcoin companies because those are incredibly illiquid, right? Once you invest in one of these companies, there really is no way out. It's not like a public market where uh, something can happen. You got to pay a few bills. You can log into your Robinhood or whatever and you know sell a couple thousand bucks and withdraw. It doesn't work that way. Uh, all you can really do is, is champion and cheerlead uh, this company and founder and support uh, moving forward until there's an exit. Okay, until that that's it. And by the way, I like it that way. That's a feature for me mm -hmm. because I don't like waking up and oh my God, the stock is, is down 
20% today? Do I buy more? Do I sell half? Do I this? Do I that? Like seeing the red on a stock that you own, like really can can mess with you, right? As far as the decisions. The red on the Bitcoin price, I could care less, right? If you've been in this for long enough, it, that doesn't even matter, okay? And you don't really get to see the red on private companies, right? If you invest in a Bitcoin company, you might get the news. What's the news? Um, Breeze uh, just raised four and a half million dollars. The press release went out uh, last week. Um, you know, there was an evaluation listed there. Um, if you invested in the previous deal, um, you probably got an update from uh, who, whoever you invested from, all right, with some of that information, right? That's sensitive. Okay, that's confidential. And um, but uh, you can kind of see like that you're up, you know, and you can kind of see like, oh, this is going well, you know, it's going in the right direction. Um, so sometimes that stuff is public, sometimes it isn't. But what you don't wake up to is a sea of red on your iPhone stock screen and you're like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that to me is, is good uh, to not see that. Also, by the way, this is the last thing I'll say because I'm rambling all over you. Um, if, if you're a founder raising money and a lot of them do, you know, IDOs or these kind of like coin equity things, okay, not in the Bitcoin space, of course, uh, but in these other spaces where, you know, they're skirting, like, they're breaking like 57 laws, first off, okay, but they say like, Princey, I want you to invest in Muzz Inc., okay, but you're going to invest through this token sale, okay, and that's going to represent equity, okay, and then in a year, you can sell your tokens, okay, let's just pretend that this wasn't a terrible scam, Okay, I don't want those type of investors. I don't want an investor who can hit the dump button in 12 months. Okay, that doesn't help me. And that's why what these Bitcoin founders, uh, uh, what we're doing and right and all of the Bitcoin VCs, not just us. Okay, we can't dump. Okay, if we could, it would be a very long, intricate process. It would require board approval from the company and it would be a secondary transaction that is time intensive and costs money. Okay. And there are some times when you want to do that. Okay. After you're up significantly, you have to distribute capital to the people who've invested. You might sell a portion of it because it's up so much. Okay. Because this is the next Klarna for Bitcoin. Okay. You're already up a hundred X or more. You can sell 20 or 25% of that uh, of that investment, you can distribute lots of capital to your investors and make them very happy to buy Bitcoin or invest in more companies and still ride 80% and still be aligned with that company and that founder. Okay. As opposed to like, I don't want people who are like, oh yeah, token sales, equity, by the way, that's 30 laws, at least that are broken. Uh, and then a year later, they hit the dump button. The, those There goes your investors, right? You don't want those fair weather people. So just know that if you invest in these Bitcoin startups, you're in it for the long haul. Um, no way out. <laughs> yeah, and and this what I like about it is you're giving a chance to the pleb, right? Because it, the the rules generally are to get in in the private equity game, you've got to be an accredited investor, or you've got to be some kind of hedge fund, or you know some kind of entity or institution. And of course, by the time that stock lists on the public markets where the pleb can get in all the gravy's been had like you know you're literally buying the bags 
of the people that got in way earlier, 12 to 18 months earlier, even perhaps even longer. So now with, with Lightning Ventures, I as a pleb can just invest $1,000 into Coin Corner and sit on it. But what what's the exit? What what would the exit look like for somebody? At what point would that come back? Uh, Is that if and when Coin Corner went public, or is that if and when Coin Corner were bought, or how how does that look on 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 the other side of things? Okay, Um, so let's let's run through a few situations. Okay, and you know I love Coin Corner uh two um okay so that is uh still what i would consider a very early stage deal and a modest uh very modest valuation considering um their revenues okay so let's say that wherever they're at let's say that um they get acquired for 10 times what their valuation is right now okay and that 10x return can probably happen pretty quickly um, maybe that happens in two years. I don't know. Let's just let's just say two years for fun. Okay. Uh, so two years from now, that's a 10Xer on your money. Um, now who acquired them? Okay, that's the question. Okay. So whoever bought Coin Corner in this scenario, um, it might be an all-stock deal to where now. You don't have uh, your equity in Coin Corner anymore. Your equity is in I don't know Swan Bitcoin, um, you know Cash App and Square is a publicly traded company, but um, could be Square, right? And that could be a stock deal where everybody who had Coin Corner, okay, is now going to get a bunch of Square Square stock, which they get your your information from your brokerage and you fill that out, right? That's it's it's uh it's it's easier after you've done it a few times. The first few times you're like, what the hell do I do with this? Uh, and then the shares just show up in your account. Okay. And that's when it's publicly traded, right? So that's an all-stock deal of a public company. Now maybe it's half cash from a company like Swan and maybe half stock. So maybe there's a nice distribution of cash that comes back to you. And now you're free rolling on a bunch of swan stock, which is also private, uh, private, uh, private stock, right? So it can go a number of different ways, right? But a quick, a quick 10x on a company that's growing like a weed um, can happen very quickly. Um, now, I have some paper gains in my own personal portfolio that are literally up 100x. And it happened in a year and a half. You know what I mean? Um, or, or a year for an 85x paper markup, right? I haven't been paid. I haven't cashed out. There's no exit there. But it's amazing how fast these things can happen on the upside. You know, um, you know, a couple of African fintech companies just a year later, they're on the front page of TechCrunch and the thing's worth, you know, a billion, a billion and a half dollars, you know, and you were in early in that seed round you know so it's amazing how fast it can it can happen this is giving power to the plebs but also gives them the option to back those customers that those those companies which they see value in um and a very cheap way and i hate to use the word diversify um but within the same asset class right within the same ecosystem 
and it's not I, I'm a, is it is it paper bitcoin or how, how do you class it how, how it's not right it's something completely different it's it's equity it's bitcoin equity it is a, it's another asset class and uh venture i think has a place in everyone's portfolio um same thing with you know real estate um bitcoin of course um you know i, I don't think anyone should you should be without it um i think it serves a place and at the same time uh let's just take you know the, any bitcoin company you want let's say that it's worth 10 million dollars okay and you have a Bitcoin price right now at 17,000, okay? That Bitcoin company going to a $100 million valuation and Bitcoin going to $170,000, okay? That both are a 10X. Um, this can happen in a blink, okay? And for Bitcoin to go from 17 to 170,000, I'm not sure that could happen in the, the same amount of time. Um, and at the same time, the $10 million startup going to zero, all right, versus Bitcoin going to zero, um, that can happen. Uh, that can actually happen, right? I mean, right. Uh, Bitcoin, you know, we, none of us really think that Bitcoin is going to zero, right? It could happen, but there's much more likelihood that, you know, a lot of these uh, startups can just, you can lose all your money, right? Which is, it's tough with Bitcoin to, to lose all your money. You know, if you're not, if you're not trading, if you're hodling securely, it's hard to lose all your money, but, you know, getting a hundred, 500, you know, I didn't make this number up. It's cited in a CNBC article. Coinbase was a 4,000 X return, mm -hmm. um, from, uh, their, um, either the seed or series a to the ipo forget about what the stock's done since then right it's terrible it's a lower what's the meme it's lower market cap than dogecoin or whatever um but from that time uh on or same thing with kraken you know um there's a lot of charts over the same period uh kraken did, like has done 50x and bitcoin did 9x over the same period you know and you can you can cherry pick a lot of different periods in time but uh the venture investing and the uh the companies in the space is uh is more of a more there's more there there's more there um if you're okay with potentially losing it all so <laughs> and well yeah that's the thing right that's the risk that people have to weigh up but at least now there's a choice and this is what you're offering you're offering a choice and this is now for those people that are listening to this and learning about Lightning Ventures for the first time, um, you know, this is on the table. So there's a thought process that needs to happen. There's research that needs to be dug into. And this is what Bitcoiners love doing. And I know you guys go to a lot of events and uh, people will be able to learn about you at some of the conferences. Um, have you got a busy 2023 coming up? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out right now. I uh, would like to get uh, near you. Uh, there's a couple of great things going on in Europe, and uh, I'm just trying to um, to plan out 2023. I'm I'm not not fully certain yet, but um, you know, there's like the companies that we all love in Bitcoin. Um, to having a chance to invest in them, 
um, is really cool. And if you think that we're early for Bitcoin, right, which we all are, right, because it's infinite, uh, right, infinity, um, you know, we're really early with this venture stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the companies that you love, all of these companies that you see on on Twitter, maybe your, your users uh, of them and support them. Um, it's really, really cool to invest a small amount and then be positively impactful in any way that you can. Um, and it's really hard to get into these deals. Like th- this is it. Uh, let me let me just say one more thing. Like when I started investing in uh, early stage companies, ris- not just Bitcoin, right? There were no Bitcoin focused groups, okay? I was able to get into fold seed round through another, you know, they're not, they're not Bitcoin focused. They did crypto. They did mm-hmm. other things. They just happened to have fold seed round. Um, but like, it was, it's really hard to learn this. It's really hard to get into really good deals. Okay. And I don't care if it's flying cars. Okay. Or, or, you know, stakes that are delivered to your door or drones delivering drugs in Uganda or whatever it is, but like, it's really hard to get in quality deals. You know what I mean? So if you're a Bitcoiner and if any of this interests you, you know, joining our group um, really will fast track it. Um, and you're not going to get flying cars and you're not going to get all this other stuff, but I, I, I'm happy to tell you where you can invest in all sorts of flying cars and, you know, drug companies. And there's many ways to lose lots of money. Uh, and you know, it's fun to look at that stuff too. You know, I still love looking at, at meditation apps and all these kind of like the things that are out there, right? Whatever innovation in the world, clothes that block radiation, you know, there's so many different things going on. Uh, in the world that that are outside of Bitcoin, I just don't have time to look at them anymore because I'm just focused solely on on Bitcoin as much as I can. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm open for questions. If if anyone ever has questions on how to get started, or what's up with this valuation, or why is it so high, or how does this note convert, and what does this mean, and uh, you know stuff like that. And um, I don't know. I got to got to pay it forward because, you know, somebody helped me uh, early on uh, get started in the right direction. And um, if I can do that for other people, that's great. Can you name some of the fun, uh, some of the companies that you've invested in or currently hope to? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, they're all on our website. At least the public ones are all on our website. Um, but, um, you know, they, it's kind of we're kind of figuring out how to group these. Uh, you know, there's like groupings of uh, DCA and, yeah. you know, I, like it's not DCA, right? Is it exchange? Is it consumer? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it sales? We're kind of like playing around with some words on on how to really describe some of these things. Uh, wallets, right? Uh, it, you know, Breeze. Is Breeze a wallet? Well, they're like a lightning developer kit and they're like doing all these other kind of software. Value uh, for value. Yeah, yeah right. Um so I have no idea why our website is not loading right now, but that's okay. <laughs> Off the top of my head, let's see. Um, so in Australia, we invested in Amber. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, Spetsky is not there anymore, but uh, the company is still uh, doing well under some uh, new leadership down under. They're in uh, good hands. There. Yeah. They're in good hands. Might be in better hands. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, love He's a good friend of mine. We're joking. Yeah, I know. Um, okay. 
So Bitstack over there, they're kind of a new company, uh, YC uh, company, uh, kind of like Acorns uh, type of deal. They're doing other things headquartered in France, but they're a European company. Also across the pond by you, Coin Corner, mm-hmm. uh, which is not closed yet, but I'm pretty confident uh, in that. That's been open for a while, actually. Also Relay over there. Uh, All right. In, uh, Two Swiss show company. sponsors. Okay, great. Woo. All right, got two right so far. Yeah. Um yeah. and um and somebody's slipping something under my door here. Um <laughs> and uh let's see. Um uh, and Bitcoin all across the world, right? Uh so um what else? Uh Israel, right? Breeze is actually headquartered um in Israel, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, you know, things like uh crowd health. Right, which isn't yes. a Bitcoin company, but they've embraced Bitcoin. And I have a history of like eight years in healthcare. I mean, that's a great idea without Bitcoin. Um, that's a great idea without Bitcoin. Um, I think our freaking website is I've got it. I've bro- got it up. Anyway, so you've got foundation devices, impervious, galloy, slice. Slice is an interesting one. Uh Satsback. I love Tom. slice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the people what Slice do. Slice is a great browser extension, okay? It's the first ad tech company that is a Bitcoin ad tech company, okay? So that every ad that you see in your browser experience, you're actually getting paid 50%, okay, from Slice. Uh, In Bitcoin, you could also withdraw it in PayPal for some absurd fees. I don't know why you would, Mm -hmm. okay? And then every time you say you click a new tab, uh, you can, uh, there's this valuable real estate in that you can install a slice tab and then you're getting paid that. I've got actually $30 uh, in my slice wallet uh, here in my my thing, right? With With a dollar every time someone signs up and maybe they come out with a mobile uh, version, right? Maybe there's ways to monetize this on your phone, okay, and get paid. Every freaking ad that is shown to you, you should get half of that money and be able to withdraw it in Bitcoin. And that's their mission. I, I absolutely love Slice. I've been running it for about a month and I, I, I'm behind you. I only have about two and a half bucks in mine. Uh, I've not been- Two and a half after a buck. Are you, are you, are you using the, uh, are, are you, are you using that browser all the time? Yeah. I'm sure wow. I am. Yeah, every time I open it, it says slice.sli.ce.it and then I have to um, get rid of that and type in what I want on my search. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think so I need foundation- to up my referrals, maybe, if uh, if that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, but sure, it's cool. You, it's cool. You, you link, get paid. Put your link in the show notes here. You'll probably get a bunch of them. <laughs> basically guys you get paid for uh shitty ads that you never look at to be put on like like, it's it's amazing and you get paid in sats it's it's great you've also got um bitstack who i use like extensively here uh i downloaded the bitstack app i've had alexandre on the show met him in Biarritz, and that's a roundup app and if there are many countries in Europe you can do that. You just download it. I think, it, what's the equivalent? Coinbits in the US? Is that right? It's kind of the roundup. I never heard of equivalent. Coinbits. I believe it's I never heard that. Of it. Check it out. I'll introduce you because um, Frida works there from uh, Bitcoin for Kiddos. Um, so yeah, basically, 
if I go out and, you know, the KYC gang are going to hate me, but you link your bank account for your everyday spend. And if you go out and you spend your groceries come to 23 bucks and 14 cents, it rounds up to the nearest dollar or euro and converts that into sats for you. And you can run a DCA on it as well. So every single fiat spend, you are buying sats at the same time. And you can put it on 2x or 5x or 10x. Uh, so of course, when you're doing when you're doing your you're filling your car, you're trying to get it to that zero zero because you know it's going to round up to the nearest euro and you're going to get one euro's worth of sats just for filling your car up. There, there are so many cool things. Uh, sats back yeah, is another great one. Pleb Lab, I just had Kyle on the show. I'm going to release that soon. You got Start Nine Labs, Thunder Games. Uh, this is huge. So the plebs could be in on any one of these companies that oh. we just talked about for a, a thousand bucks or a thousand euros or yeah it's a thousand dollars um i think we're gonna have a thunder games in early january that's what it looks like okay. uh, i think we're gonna have a thunder games i think we may have fountain on deck for early january geyser uh, i think geyser is uh open right now actually mm -hmm. um and i think we're gonna have um relay uh again you're gonna kill me man like my wife's gonna kill me if we don't get out the door to go to this airport oh, no so, no no you gotta like, go I, you gotta she's go gonna kill me bro. <laughs> she's gonna like she's already gonna start the whole production like it's it's a whole all thing, right man well but, you you guys uh you, you you have a great trip and uh it's been it's been great to hang sorry we went over time and uh you get out the door and uh i'll speak to you soon Listen, we're going to continue this again, all right? Because we could talk a long time, and I want to do a whole series on uh, on some of our awesome, outstanding uh, all-star uh, LP backers in Lightning Ventures. So maybe I can have you on our channel, and we can talk about some of that stuff too. Sounds like a great rip. Take care, brother. Thank you. All right, Danny. Bye, buddy. Bye. Well, there you go, guys. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you grabbed your flight okay and you had a great time, had a great Christmas. We were recording that one just before uh, the break there. So some of these deals may have already landed. Please go and check out Lightning Ventures. Join if you want just to get an idea of the deal flow that's going on there. You know, you can stay very much connected now to what's going on behind the scenes just by signing up and watching the emails fly in. These guys have so much going on like they're connected like nothing i've ever seen and they know these companies inside out they're doing a great job they are really doing a great job they're doing a deep dive on all of these projects and trying to figure out which ones are going to be worthy of of backing um <laughs> i have a a bleeding heart for all of the Bitcoin entrepreneurs. I want every single one of you to succeed. And if you are getting backed by a consortium such as Lightning Ventures, you will get the support you need. So please, if you are building something or if you're going to build something, know that support is out there. All you have to do is reach out. You can reach out directly to me. You can reach out directly to Muzz. Just make it happen. Make it happen. Whatever it is that you're building, the support will come we can find you the people you need we need everybody pushing in the right direction this is what orange pill app is all about uh, a shameless shill for orange pill app i've been really enjoying it 
Matteo is going to come on the show soon and talk about that initiative, but you can download it, Android or Apple, and start connecting with your plebs. Find out maybe you've got that, that Bitcoin Maxi pleb just living around the corner from you in the same town or city that you had no idea even existed. Go meet them. Like, stop sitting alone, lonely, being the Bitcoin guy that has no one to talk to. Get out there and start connecting and building together. Make sure you are uh, su- supporting the show sponsors. Excuse me, lost my words. You know who they are, Swan Bitcoin in the US. You can stack sets with those guys, DCA or Smash Buy. Uh, they've got the, the private service. They've got the, uh, the financial advisory service. Andy Edstrom is running. Brilliant team. And again, thank you, Corey, for everything that you've built over there. And they've got the Pacific Bitcoin Conference coming up at the end of 2023. Relay are going places. You just heard. They're on the deck here. Uh, Lightning Ventures are going to be on the cap table for Relay. They've got announcements coming. Julian will be on next month. Coin Corner. Same thing. So much being built behind the scenes at Coin Corner. Hoddle, hoddle. They announced in Riga last year at their Baltic Honey Badger their lending platform global peer-to-peer lending so that's something you can uh, check out and look out for wasabi wallet have got you covered if you want to try CoinJoin, and shift crypto will keep your stack safe shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and don't forget to get to prague it's going to be huge btc prague use the code bitten for 10 percent discount and miami of course that is coming up in may I'm going to be heading over there as well. You can use the code BITTEN at checkout to get your 10% discount on your conference tickets. I look forward to the next show, guys. Thank you and stack safe. See you next time.